Welcome to the Black Alert Podcast, your melanated reference for all things Star Trek across all four quadrants. I'm Tia, and today I'm joined by Bridge Crew members Raina and Shaniqua, as we're here to talk about Star Trek Discovery Season 4, Episode 3's Choose to Live. Let's get into it. Choose to Live was directed by Christopher J. Byrne and written by Terry Hughes Burton. So, what did we think about the episode? Um, I liked it. I thought there was a lot happening. Um, we definitely had several. Well, we had obviously we had the main plot. We had several subplots that kind of push our story forward. I liked mm-hmm. that it was not totally focused on the anomaly that were <laughs> the danger ahead, but other things that are actually going on um, with the with the crew as well as this captaincy that Captain Burnham is now taking on is it's quite an adventure so far. <laughs> She's got a lot on her plate. Yes, uh, season four seems to be the uh, the reformation of the Federation. She's being sent out there to multiple planets. Uh, to use the source of dilithium that uh, I assume is coming from the planet they found Sakal on in season three uh, to deliver that to some of the, the the former member planets or some of the neighboring non-Federation member planets uh, to as a way to sort of smoothen the path of them returning to the Federation. Uh, and that's, that's a theme that plays throughout episode three, especially when it comes to the Navarre people. There is some work being done to bring Navarre, which, uh, for a reminder, the Navars, Navarans are a combination of the Vulcans and the Romulans who have now become a unified people, to bring them back into the Federation. As you know, Vulcans are one of the founding members of the Federation itself. So it's it's important and symbolic in a way that they they rejoin. But it also gives the Navarans a lot of power. I don't know if you guys want to talk about uh, what the major arc of this episode, which is the the lost cause. Yeah, well, we have a, a rogue Kuat Malat uh, nun who apparently decides to, well, she captures uh, dilithium from one of a Starfleet ship. And in the process, a Starfleet officer is killed. So now it's on the hunt for her. Apparently she was the nun who rescued uh, Michael's mother while she was, you know, lost. I call it lost in space. (laughs) Um, So now you've got the Federation, you've got the Navarans. Who's going to take charge? And, you know, what crimes are, you know, will she be, you know, who's going to deliver the judgment when they capture her? So that's kind of a bit of the controversy there in the beginning. Uh, they have this like round table where you've got them all sitting there. You've got Admiral, you've got the president, Karen, <laughs> and you've got <laughs> and you've got President Tarina and you've got Captain Burnham. Do we think that Burnham's mom is a line stepper? Like to me, it kind of seems like her and Burnham are similar in that they're very stubborn and they like things to be done their own way. Do you think that her mom was out of line this time when she was like, you know, let me, you know, let me take charge of this. Let me be the one that, you know, takes the lead on this. I can understand uh, 
Gabrielle Burnham wanting to take charge in that because there is that understanding of uh, what was her name? Navini? Javini. Javini. Uh, understanding where she's operating from as a murder nun, as a Quatmalot. And that uh, oftentimes, and we get just to tie it back into uh, more uh, modern day instances the person who is from the community that the the one under investigation is from can offer a bit more insight to what's going on than it was a clear-cut case of murder 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 you know she was just a cold-blooded murderer who had no reason to do this and uh, yeah so like gabrielle brings context and I think that mattered enough where they were able to, at least at the end, to a a less violent solution, which unfortunately should have probably came before the Romulan fought a lot, was murdered. Just, I don't I even know. know. Like, I don't even know where, she, where Javini got those dudes from because those were not fellow murder nuns those are just some dude i guess mercenaries yeah she <laughs> mercenaries to help her do this like don't you think you should have kind of maybe persuaded some of your other murder nuns to like take up your cause but i guess it's because it's an individual oath i uh, guess but, but also starfleet isn't giving dilithium to individuals only planets yeah I don't like know. that was that was a little strange for me so you have these people, there are people all over that part of space, all over the Alpha and Beta Quadrants, assuming that's where we are, that need fuel to get around and we're not giving it to individuals who may need it, just planets, because we want them to rejoin the Federation. As much as they say it's just a gesture of goodwill, we, we understand what's you know, happening it's here. Yeah, it's definitely, yeah. <laughs> it's definitely a political uh, token there, especially the president relax side notes to, to captain burnham this is the this is the main reason why we need this to happen you know she's like explaining to her and of course you know michael's like yeah i don't like the way you're going about doing this but whatever i've got to follow orders this is a very complicated issue yeah but then you know at the same time of the murder nine plot we have book and Stamets working together to determine how to track the anomalies path so they can predict it to get people out ahead of time to save more lives because anytime there's an anomaly that could just knock a planet off of off course and and essentially kill all life on it you you want to be able to to be able to save people and so we have that plot going on. We have a call back to DS9 in the Adira slash Gray slash uh, Culver arc. Then we have the Tilly arc, which dovetails into the, the murder nun arc of the episode as well. Where do you guys want to go with this one? Um, I like the Stamets and the science race. I really enjoy that Stamets has taken on a project and he is determined to help um, not just Book get some answers, but to save the rest of, you know, the universe. <laughs> Them going to Navarre 
and sitting with the, their scientist was probably the funniest thing I saw because he was totally out of place and he's over there like blabbing along and they're like, now nah, we're in meditation. We'll come back to you. <laughs> <laughs> well, can we, I, I do love that there were so many Vulcans of different races. races. Like that was cool. I was like, oh, a black lady Vulcan with natural hair. There's yeah. not any of the weird like bowl cut things or slick down hair that we see with the Vulcans and other ones. So it seems at least in a millennia, uh, the Vulcans have determined that it's logical to have different hairstyles. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you. Finally. But yeah, that was, that was an interesting um, part of the episode. And also the, the way that president Serena reached out to, to book, you know, she was very, comforting but in her own way she tried very hard to assert to book that whatever happened wasn't his fault Mm -hmm. you know and that they will do the best that they can to figure that what the anomaly is i believe stamets thought it was a a wormhole a wormhole but there were no tachyons present that was the only thing the only part a black hole i'm sorry a black Black hole. hole black hole that did not add up that it was not present they couldn't see it so we get we also see the mind meld which was awesome i love the way yes, that the animation the animation was fantastic and book he he received some closure i love that in that moment and when they come out of the mind meld and he's like he's got tears in his eyes and you know he's finally understands that his nephew and the people that he was with, his family loved him. And that was great. I thought that was a really nice moment. Yes. Uh, and we got, at least in that scene, more callbacks to other Star Treks. I can't remember which one uh, where, you know, Vulcans know emotion. They feel it very strongly. Oh, yeah. They just choose to suppress it. And I believe that's nearly an exact quote from a different series and i want to say it's enterprise but i cannot be sure i want to say to paul once said that or it just i there were there were a ton of references of yeah yeah so we have that and we we see that through the mind mill that there aren't any t- there aren't any indication of of tachyons there like the sky is supposed to have have a blip of light yeah like a blue light, light. Yeah, before what a, the black hole or the wormhole or whatever they called it, th- there was an acronym that uh, Stamets used. S- DMA. DMA. Dark matter, dark matter something. Yes, dark matter anomaly opens up. But through the mind meld with Tarina, we don't see the light there. So we know that that puts the... the the kibosh on on Stamets theory or does it right with this is discovery it might very well end up being a dark matter anomaly in the end it's just something new that they've never seen before yes uh that shifts through space and uh determining that there is no blue light uh shows that maybe they need to go back to the drawing board uh mm-hmm. to figure out what this anomaly is I've mentioned a thousand times what I think it is. I'm not going to mention it again. Uh, just know that if I'm right, you'll hear me on a future episode talking mad shit about it. I can be all caps on Twitter. Yes. I told you so. 
I'll just say I wasted all that time watching that show. I have a theory. I think that might be it. <laughs> That's it. I said what I said. The Tarina mind melt bringing book into a better space about what happened. Do you think that was early, too early? Or was it enough time to sort of pull him out of his guilt and his anger of what happened? Um, I think it's it's just a start of that because grief doesn't just is not cured in a day. We know that it lasts forever and it, it comes to us in waves and we won't know whether or not any of the setbacks on trying to discover what this anomaly is will trigger it again. Um, at least for the time being, I think he has some resolution enough so that he can feel at peace. Um, mm -hmm. You know, the the end scene with him and Burnham in the bed, <laughs> in the room with the hollow mm -hmm. um, of Quajon, you know, the, the forest. I mean, he looked like he was just in heaven, you know, mm -hmm. um, but you never know what's going to trigger That's a, true. a reaction from him. So it, it's a step forward for him. And I'm glad to see him resolving some of his issues with the loss of Quajon and his family just like everyone else on this ship is dealing with their own issues, including one of our uh, bridge crew, mm -hmm. Tilly. She seems to be dealing with a lot of trauma and a lot of anxiety, a lot of imposter syndrome. So yeah, I don't know if we wanted to swing into that section, but yeah. We can. I mean, I only have one criticism of it. You know, who doesn't like mac who doesn't like macaroni and cheese? She, I don't think I don't think she she loves mac and cheese because she said something about that it was her comfort zone. So no, no, she was she was trying to get out of her comfort oh, zone. Oh, really? Oh, yes. Okay. She doesn't like macaroni and cheese, maybe and that makes her sus. Okay, Tilly, I don't trust you now. Ah, okay, well, that that's my favorite so side fun. dish. I'm sorry. It, it did was, look ugly, but it you know, it, it didn't look good. No. But she doesn't like mac maybe and the cheese. Replicator. That maybe replicator. the replicator mm. needs a little beast, needs some soul. We need okay. not everybody exactly. can make macaroni and cheese. What, what's the name of the computer now? Zara. Zora. Zora. She 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 can fix it. We she needs to. We <laughs> need, need Zora to go in and fix that. Yes. <laughs> Stop hitting remind me later and just let the update go through. Because that mac and cheese looked cursed. But the fact that Tilly doesn't like mac and cheese and she was getting out of her comfort zone, that's a problem. Okay. You can't be a, on a ship ran by the Michael Burnham and not like mac and cheese. Maybe she's like Tulsa Tolerant. Leave her alone. That was, that, hold on. First of all, it was I Thanksgiving. Hold on. It was Thanksgiving when that, that episode. I'm like Tulsa Tolerant and I love my mac and cheese. So never mind. I'm going to take that back. I'm just saying, it's, it's, it was still, it was just a few days after Thanksgiving. That's a required dish, it you is. know, and Tilly, come on. I, why do you keep doing this? You have, every time I get on here, I have to criticize something, right? Like it was when she became first officer over all of everyone else on the bridge, you know, I was nice about it, ish, but now she doesn't like mac and cheese. My girl. Get it together, okay? Now, besides that, I do think... So this this was a, a, a pickup of season three, early season three, because we know that Tilly had a few issues 
uh, being in the future mm-hmm. away away from her family or anything she knew uh, at the beginning of, of last season. So we're, we're picking that back up. I'm not sure what triggered her this time. I, I'm trying to think back. Probably the, sp- uh, the space station. Space station. Uh, the loss of the uh, the commander on the space station definitely, I think, set her back a bit. Because I remember when she got back, she goes to Dr. Colburn's like, is there any, you know, that we can schedule a therapy session? Basically, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I need to talk to somebody about something. Um, and I think that really put her over edge. So she's kind of in this, in this stage of grief and happiness. And she, yeah, she's going through it. And you can definitely tell by her mannerism. She's, look, we already know Tilly is very goofy. But she's definitely not herself. You can definitely tell. But I did love when they they gave her the, the murder nun sword. As <laughs> she dropped it. Like, that was that was so me. I would have done that. I would have dropped it. <laughs> I think, I, I really relate to Tilly this episode. Because, like, you, you're right, Raina. She's struggling. And what I think it is, is, you know, they've moved light years or hundreds of years in the future. And so she's lost everything that she's known. And she is now, I think when that officer died, when he was saying, I just, I'm going to go back home. I think that that triggered her. And I like how they're handling this because it's like, sometimes you see her as being okay. And then sometimes you see her as struggling. And then, you know, as we all know, healing is not linear. And I think Star Trek Discovery, this this is why Star Trek Discovery is my favorite, because it really is showing us an emotional side of Star Trek that I am not familiar with seeing when it comes to mental health. And so I'm watching um, the plot with Tilly closely because I can relate to it so much. But just seeing her, some days she's okay, some days she's not. She's reaching out for help and you're seeing... You're seeing her trying to cope and still struggling. And I think that's I think that's something to really marvel at. And I really give my my hats off to Discovery for including that into the series. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's definitely being vulnerable. You know, she's trying new things, <laughs> including mac and cheese. She wanted to uh, she asked Saru to water the plants. You know, like she's trying new things to see where she fits and what what can help her move forward. Um, and, you know, Saru, he, he sees it and he knows her very well. And he actually all mentions to Captain Burnham to take Tilly along on this mission to hunt down the murder nun, which is an odd choice, but it, it seemed to work out very well. Yes. And there was an interesting moment between her and, and Gabrielle Burnham, uh, Tilly and Gabrielle Burnham, where she talks about what's going on. And it makes me wonder, like, I don't think Tilly is going to go off and become a quat Malad. Like that. I don't that's think that's, that's gonna, not going to happen. I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> they do too much killing for her. <laughs> but, <Yeah. laughs> but I think learning something from 
you know, whether it be the lost cause aspect of it or the, their system and how they operate can offer her something that she can look for in her capacity as a Starfleet officer. And so I'm interested in seeing what path they give Tilly. Like where she was, if I remember correctly, a science officer Correct. Uh, in, in the first season. And we, we've, we've not really seen her down in engineering or not engineering. Well, I guess it would be engineering because that's where the spore drive is and that's how they get around. I, I don't know my way around Discovery's ship. I, I barely know. Going on. <laughs> Whatever their jobs are. Jet is there sometimes, so I'm assuming it's engineering. She's in a car. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, we haven't really seen Tilly down in there. Doing, in a while. In, in a bit, right? And well, so. I think the first episode we saw with, her. Yeah, when with we first. With uh, yeah. They were they were trying to figure out what was going on. I believe uh, before is that the anomaly that yes, they were doing work Stamets on took over. Yeah, yeah. And then Michael sent Adira and Tilly over to the space station. So Correct. that's what it was. But this is an interesting an interesting season so far because I, I feel like we've heard more from the bridge crew than we have the entire series. Like Bryce has lines that are more he than has, he has yes, yes, Captain. You know, like we're we're seeing we're seeing more of a Walsh Shakun doing more. You know, we that's we, what we, I want. I want more. I want a whole episode with a Walsh Shakun, Detmer, and Reese. Like I just want them. I it feels like an actual crew working on the bridge this season, and I know we we're only three episodes in. But I got that feeling uh, from when the president was there uh, during the space station episode, the way that Michael was interacting with the crew. And it, it feels more trekky in a way like they the people on the on the bridge have their own uh, interactions with each other. They have more to say that contributes to what's going on outside of the ship. So I'm excited about that. I would like to hear more about all of them. It seems right now, though. Adira, Gray, and Colber are, and I, this might have actually resolved their, at least part of their story. Uh, and I mentioned earlier, we had a call back to DS9 uh, with uh, Jadzia's Jintara. Uh, and for those who don't remember, that was the ceremony where a guardian would come, guardian came to DS9 uh, to psychically remove the personalities, the lives of Dax's previous host and place them into bodies that were willing vessels for her to, for Jadzia to talk to and learn from her previous host. And so I figured, and I think we've talked about this and just amongst ourselves, I don't know if we covered it in a previous episode, but it seemed that the Jintara would play a bigger part in how Grey gets to inhabit a body Mm-hmm. And that's and that's exactly what happened. So they built a body based off of Picard's uh, the Sung method. Yes, the Sung method based off of uh, what happened to Picard at the end of the at the end of the first season, where he gets put into a, a synthetic body that ages and dies, which kind of defeats the purpose of being like, synthetic, <laughs> right? I know. Like, I, mean, like, oh, I, want, I guess I gotta die forever. anyway. Like, what's the point? Like. <laughs> So Gray gets a body that will age and die 
<laughs> and a guardian comes by and puts Gray inside of the synthetic body. And it's it's a touching moment, but all I could think of was DS9 when Jadzia was talking about feeling like there was a void inside of herself when Curzon decided to stay in Odo's body rather than go back to the symbiont. And so that was played off like there was a part of her missing that, like a void that was in her after that. And so Grey, who was part of the tall symbiont, uh, part of Adira, essentially, is removed. And yeah, he's in a new body uh, that Adira can interact with, get to spend time with. But is that the same thing as being physically part of someone my question is do you all see a a similarity between transitioning as a trans person in this episode where gray gets a physical body or is that is that pushing it too much the reason why i I asked that is because I can't remember the actor's name, but the actor that plays Stamets, he said he in a tweet, Anthony he Robinson. talked about those two actors and was like, I'm so glad that we have the LGBTQ representation that we have on this show. And so I was just and he mentioned Gray and Adira specifically, their characters. And so I was just thinking, like, is it possible that someone who's trans are someone who is considering transitioning could find comfort in this episode? I can't answer that as a, uh, a cisgender person. But, maybe, our that's but our, maybe that's something we can ask the audience. So we'd like to turn to you, those of you who listen and are trans or non-binary. What did you think? Is it an accurate interpretation of transitioning? If not, how could it have been better? But I thought it was a very special moment, um, especially when it was a little touch and go uh, with the transfer uh, and Gray didn't wake up immediately. It was like, oh, shit, did it work? <laughs> like, oh, crap. Like, now we just got to sit here and wait. And obviously, Adira being by Gray's side, kind of like guiding him to to wake up or to in that to be in that body. That was that was a really special moment. But I love that the, the relationship that Colber, Adira, and Gray have. Um, and also, you know, when Gray does wake up in his new body and immediately hugs Dr. Colber and thanks, you know, and thanks him, uh, even though they've never met. Uh, well, technically. Yeah, in physical Which form. I still don't understand how that happened. This is going to sound like I really don't understand how in Sukal, because that was the episode, uh, that Gray was able to be seen by everyone else. Wasn't that due to the... uh, There there had to have been a telepathic element there. Yeah, and I think what was going on on the planet allowed that temporary... uh, uh, shift, I guess, in the... Planes? I don't know. We don't know. (laughs) Um, If you know, please tell us. Please Please explain it. 
because I can't remember. It kind of reminded me. Okay, so did anybody watch the new Ghostbusters? No. Okay. All right. Harry Potter. Yes. Okay. So that. you remember um, Priori and Cantatum when the two wands connected, uh -huh. and you would see like the souls or whatever. It was kind yes. of like that moment. Okay. <laughs> can think of and it's funny because it's also in, in ghostbusters the new ghostbusters <laughs> star like, trek yeah i was like all right cool but no that, like, that's what it, i thought of of like there was a temporary uh connection of different worlds of the different planes and they were I able guess. to Maybe I don't Sukal, know. Sukal has the power because Sukal was the one that yelled and telepathically triggered oh, all the dialysium to explode. So uh, we'll blame it on Sukal. It's Sukal's fault. Okay. Is so, <laughs> he said Sukal Voldemort? <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, so it was nice to see the return of the of the. I'm sorry, we call it Jadzia called it the Jintara. Uh, the person in this episode choose to live called it the Ziantara. Okay. We'll just say Jadzia is from North America <laughs> of Trill. The Jintara. Okay. Uh, I'm from the same area Jadzia is, so Jintara. So that was that was a nice callback to DS9, and I, I, I'm very I'm I've been enjoying the different callbacks to previous shows that Discovery has been doing lately because you, you can't really say anything about Grey being put into a synthetic body because we've seen it done in canon mm -hmm. so that was nice so in addition to that I think we've we had Tilly we had President Karen and the Vulcans Hey, President I have Karen. a question on President Karen. Uh -huh. I have a discussion question. Yes. So I, I'll be honest. I was a little disappointed in her representation this episode. Because let me let me tell you what's what is what I thought was in my head when I first during that first episode. Y'all know I don't like her. That's why I call her President Karen. And mm -hmm. so I was hoping that she would just be like the bitch the entire season because I feel like Star Trek Discovery would benefit from that conflict of having someone that you don't necessarily hate but you don't like them either because I, I, I see a trend with Discovery and this is one of the things that you know when we talk about plot faults in Discovery because it's very common that like even with Admiral Vance, how he started off as someone that was a little bit bitchy and then we grew to love him. And then even with Stamets, the same way, started off a little bit bitchy, but we grew to love him. That's just something that to me, Discovery leans so much on. So mm -hmm. with President Karen, I'm hoping that it's not the same thing where the first episode, she comes out the gate. We can't stand her. She comes across as someone that's controlling and borderline manipulative. But then this episode, it's almost like we saw a different side of her where she seemed a little bit more tame. So I'm just wondering where are we going to go with her character this season? Raina? Um, 
I, I'm still on the fence with her. I don't like her. I obviously she's got the political snake. <laughs> I hate to call it, but the political snake going on. But I think she does have the overall success of the Federation and the coming together of the other planets as a priority. Um, it's just getting there. I think that we're not used to her to the way she navigates. Maybe when we get a little bit more of a background from her, we'll kind of see why she is the way she is. But yeah, I, I do see that trend of where they give us a, you know, the the antagonist per se, but to everyone else's uh, characters, and then we end up liking them. Because um, even Admiral Vance kind of doesn't like her. <laughs> He's like, I don't, uh, I don't know if I see the change coming. Just from the way that they're playing, how she allowed a, essentially, in, in Federation terms, a murderer to just go with the Vulcans, with the Navarans. Like it was nothing. Like, I think there'll be a conflict between the two of them based off of what Rillick is willing to do to get the Federation back in the way that she wants. Because, I mean, she became president of a, of a, essentially, a, a small, like, it's not even an empire in the way that it was in the, the time period that even, you know, Michael left. And then, and definitely in the decades after Michael went to the future, uh, there were the Federation had many planets under its wing, and I think the president is definitely going for a legacy build. Like she wants to be known as the the face of uh, the Federation returning to its former glory, and so I think the way she accomplishes that will rub. Michael the wrong way as they continue on because she's being way too easygoing about letting Javini get away. But also there's a little weird thing in that like this is something strange about Michael being the the catcher of Javini, you know, sending Disco out to find and deliver this person to their to their justice, you know, before before he gets uh, before Giovanni gets given to the Navarans. I I don't know how I feel about Michael, whose whose job or whose mission was to deliver Dilithium to needing uh, to needy planets, becoming the uh, the bounty hunter essentially of of the Federation. Is I don't know if I like that. You know. That's a good point, Tia. I 100% agree with you. That is a good point. But once again, and we said this in other episodes, it does seem like there's definitely some Black people in the writer's room because I think that is the case. Because mm-hmm. Michael Burnham literally is everything to everyone. And I see that that is very common within our community the black woman is typically the one that handles everything, even things that she shouldn't. So I'm wondering if I don't know. I'm just wondering if that's if that's their if that's their motive into making her like as you said, the bounty hunter <laughs> as well. Yeah, it's just like 
this woman is supposed to be out here giving people fuel, much needed fuel, uh, so they can be warp capable again. And then you're just like, ah, we got a murderer we need you to catch. Go forth, Michael Burnham, and do your thing. And bring her alive, too. All right. <laughs> Political motivations. All right. And, well, they gave Javini to the Navarans. I mean, Javini is a, a citizen of of their country, or of their country, of their of their planet, their planet, or system of planets, whatever. And so, but typically, you you go to face the charges of the the nation that you committed, committed the, the crime. crime. So you know what I'm saying? That's what I thought, but you know. President said, so I I don't know what, like I said, it's about, I think it's legacy for the president. And I think her choices to reaching that is what's going to cause more of a conflict between her and Michael. I don't think we're going to end up liking her. Good. Uh, (laughs) Well, you know, it's, it's only episode three, you know, it might change. I don't trust Kardashians. Even no, that's right. <laughs> I know, my bad. I, no, I'm not. I'm not. I don't feel sorry about that. I don't trust her. Damn it. You cannot trust her, but I'll make it because she's also part Bajoran. Okay. And Bajorans were good people. I know they were good people. I want to know. Let me talk about people. Let me talk about parents, man. Are they alive? I want to know how that worked out. I want to know more about the trill. You know, we discovered that everybody and their mama can hold a, uh, can hold a symbiont, which we know, which was another callback. Like this is from season three, but you know, we saw that it was possible, but it wouldn't not long-term. And now we've discovered that it's possible long-term for a human to be a host of a trill symbiont. And so, I'm wondering, you know, now that what's happening with their community, uh, they mentioned losing several symbionts when the ships exploded, the dilithium uh, implosion killed hundreds of millions of people, essentially. And so it makes me wonder who are left. Are we going to see that someday the Dax symbiont is still kicking about the universe a millennia later? Like... I want to know more. I, I don't know why I have, like, I don't believe in the nostalgia plays by television shows as a way to get an audience. I actually hate it. But there are some some things about the older shows that I'm very interested in, and I want to know what's going to happen there. Unfortunately, I don't think we have a trailer, by the way, uh, for episode four of the season. I didn't I, see one. Where are all, Paramount Plus, hear me. <laughs> Here we go. Why are there no trailers at the end of the episode? Thank you. Every other show does that. I don't understand. If this was airing on television, we would have a preview. We would have a trailer for the next week. Can you please do that? Because it's it's I'm sitting here and I'm like, oh, I wonder what's gonna happen next. You know, part of part of the fun of doing these things is theory crafting. And we theory craft based off of the trailers. Hello. Okay, just think about it. So all is possible. And Cronenberg uh, is back. Yeah, I think uh, Tilly Sorry. and Adira were sent to work with the new cadets. 
of Starfleet Academy. That should be interesting. <laughs> uh, Orion? Tilly. I don't know what the Okay, so speaking of Cronenberg, we thought he was the president of the Federation in the third season. Like when Giorgio first arrived. Yeah. Uh, and he was interviewing her and he knew about the mirror universe. So it makes me wonder, oh my goodness, is this a play on like the ones where you take the the trash cadets, the trash students, the cra- trash ensigns, and then you try to whip them into shape? shape. Yep. Oh, goodness gracious. Because, you know, I mean, they're in, we're in the 32nd century. They, they spent about a millennia apart on their own planets. They have no... They've never interacted with other species, and you got to bring them all together again. Yeah, and you got these like Gen Z cadets <laughs> trying to come together. <laughs> uh, we'll see. Okay, so apparently the ready room is where all of the trailers are. Paramount Plus, hear me. Okay, I don't. <laughs> have, I'm I'm a busy person. Okay, I don't. I, I have multiple jobs. I'm in school. I can't go watch something else just to get the trailer. Please put it at the end of the episode, please. Because I need to know once those credits roll, I need to see the trailer for the next week. That's the way it has always been done. That's the way it should be done. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, please, for all of us. Like, I don't want to, I got to sit through interviews with people just to see the trailer for the next week or the sneak peek. I can't do that. That's too much. That's too much work. Yeah. My goodness. Back to episode three. I think we've talked about pretty much everything. I'm trying to see if we've, if we've forgotten something. I did enjoy, we got to see a little bit more of Captain Michael's science officer helmet come back on with, you know, Mm -hmm. she had to get the ship, the alien ship. To work, uh, the mm-hmm. cryo, right? The cryogenesis machine? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were in cryostasis. Cryostasis. And then, you know, so we definitely got to see a little bit more of her science officer skills there. We got to see a lot more of Tilly's skills. She's like, but you're going to have to give me a moment, but I can figure it <laughs> I can figure it out. And, yeah. I, also, to see some vulnerability in murder nun Gabri- Gabrielle Burnham's you know, dealing with someone who helped her when she was lost and how she would deal with that type of responsibility, she was still able to bring Giovanni in. I did like that she allowed herself to be truthful, as is their their way, you know, absolute candor. And she knew that Michael would want her to do the right thing. So that's why she, you know, she made sure that her daughter was along. Well, yeah, I I I, really, I enjoyed this episode. I am again, as Tia mentioned, we do need the uh, episode previews because it, it's nice to have. You know, once you cut off one episode, you like to see the preview of another because it gets the juices flowing. I think it was a it was a decent episode. Uh, grade wise, I would give it a six and a half out of ten. What's out of seven? I'll give it a seven out of ten. Seven out of, uh, this one, uh, I watched it. I remember everything that happened. I don't feel moved by it. Uh, I think maybe the book scene uh, where he realizes what he missed 
uh, focusing on on the pain. He missed that moment with his nephew. And I think Tarina giving him that was beautiful. Like it was a beautiful moment. But this episode kind of went in and, and went in one eye. I mean, I know this is the wrong, the wrong phrase, wrong idiom, but it really went in one eye and out the other because <laughs> I'm like, yeah, it happened. I watched the episode. Uh, it was well, the- actually, no, there was, there was something interesting in it. You know, we talked, there've been references throughout the entire series. Tilly makes about her mother. And then we, we find out in this one that her mother was just like a piece of trash. Trash. We did get that. And she was like, my mother didn't like children talking to her, hugging her. I wonder if Tilly was definitely, she had to raise herself. I wonder. Yeah. I think that's why Tilly is so emotional and can sometimes be a bit fragile we're finding more, and as I think as the season goes on, we're going to find out more and more about Tilly as to why she is the way that she is. Mm-hmm. Which I'm cool with, because I like her. To me, uh, this episode was probably like a 5 out of 10. Because, <laughs> <laughs> uh, woo, that's how I feel. It kind of just is, you know? Like, it was a, it, it is. As an episode, it's not bad. It's more like I don't hate it. It just was. <laughs> yeah, it just was. Like when you have Trek that's not necessarily episodic, where it's just kind of like the whole season comes together as one, um, you're going to have those episodes where they're filler. Mm-hmm. And so this was to me, and in, in my opinion, was a filler episode where we got a couple of tidbits here and there, but it's not something that is going to stand out at the end of the season. Yeah. And every, every, every season of disco of all the tricks really oh. have those episodes where there's just one. It's like, Oh yeah, I can watch it. But you know, it didn't exactly, it didn't wow me. But I think, I think that'll come as the, as the season progresses. I mean, I was definitely wowed by, Michael in the captain's chair. I'm always wowed by her as captain. I enjoy this this leader, Michael Burnham. Like I enjoy her in this role, and so I'm looking forward to see what else she she brings to the table. And I'm look also looking forward to more more little tidbit comments about some of the bridge crew. I want to learn more about them. Uh, I want to know exactly what their roles are. We know Detmer is, I assume, the chief con officer. She's the, the chief pilot, I'm assuming. But the ship that Michael took last time, Michael was the one with the most hours on it. So, you know, you never know. <laughs> I want to know more about them all. We, we've now accomplished that Zora is a thing now. Like, Zora has taken a name. The computer has taken on sentience. Like... What's happening there? Will we get the chance to find out what's going on with Zora and what happened to that led the entire crew of the Discovery abandoning ship from, you know, what we learned from the short trek? So is this, I don't think this is Disco's final season, but, you know, maybe we'll see. It might, who knows, right? Like, I don't put that energy out there. I'm not trying to put that energy out there. It's just more like, I'm trying to figure out like, where are all of these things coming together to mean? Is this season truly about rebuilding the Federation? Because if that's the case, then there needs to be more of the political, right? There needs to be more uh, 
Vance, Rillick, Tarina, Michael as the essentially the enterprise of this one, like of the in the Picard fashion, like the flagship. I mean, essentially, that's what they've become. Right. Yeah. The flagship of the of Starfleet at this point. So she has to be present at these diplomatic meetings. So I want to see more of the political. I want to see her talking to the Andorans. Like, are they still part of the Federation? Are we rebuilding it in the way that it was built in the 23rd century? Or are we going, was it the 23rd century? Hold on, folks. Let me think about this. Get the calculations. I believe it was, I'm trying to think about uh, Enterprise. I think Enterprise was 23rd century. 23rd. So, yeah. Yeah. So, what, what is the culmination of that? How can you rebuild uh, essentially an empire with space being threatened all around you. So Michael has to play the part of, you know, diplomat and essentially science officer because they have to figure out what's going on. You can't protect a people with a ship from that, right? That's not something a ship can do. So I don't know. I don't know where this season is going, honestly. (sighs) Well, oh, Five out of ten, too. I forgot to give my grade. I, I, I'll, I will go with it. It just, eh. <laughs> Ow. Ow. It's just, eh. It Uniforms are fly, though. And that's okay. What did you think of the hair? Because it was different this week. I okay. I don't like it with the fold in the front when it's in the ponytail, but when okay. she has it down part right. of the way, I, I like the twist in the front. Okay. It depends on what style she's wearing. And I'm glad she has braids. I, it's may, it may seem like a small thing, but I think seeing any captain with like nat, like black hairstyles, I think is amazing. That's why I was like freaking out over the black Vulcan lady with with the big hair, like with the big natural hair. I was just like, yes, <laughs> let's go. Much appreciated. Yes. yes, Vulcan, black Vulcan hair grows just like ours. Okay, like <laughs> it's beautiful. Oils and pearls. Yes, um, I would die if we ever see Michael like you know moistening her braids with something like <laughs> give us the viol- give us the Viola Davis like where she was take <laughs> down where she was taking her hair down. Okay, what? I would lose my absolute mind. <laughs> Michael undoing her braids while she's sitting and, and, and Book is just washing her and just, ah, that's too much. That's too much. That, yeah, that, that, that might, that might we're, oh, what if we get like that would be a great scene though if we had a scene where he was oiling her scalp I would die guys be amazing it would be so amazing listen <laughs> listen writers of discovery okay <laughs> give us that treat look she has she's a black lady you know even if even if it's something like oh you know uh, I gotta put some lotion on or something pass me the lotion before I go out to the bridge just something all right it's a cultural thing she has to keep her hair moisturized if she if she even wears a scarf, if you see her in her quarters with her scarf on, so her edges lay if down. If you see Michael in a bonnet, I would pass out. Oh my god! <laughs> Look, she has to protect her hair. It's a protective style, people, and it still needs to stay nice, right? I don't know what snow. these sheets are in the thirty second century. Yeah, we don't know if she got some sad pillowcases or whatever. Like, come on. Writers of Discovery, you're doing so well. Give us this little bit, just a tiny bit more. 
Uh, all right. I think we're done here. I think so. Any predictions for next week? Since we don't have a trailer. Um, we don't have a trailer. <laughs> <laughs> we, we have that clip. We have a, a mini clip. Yeah. This is going to be awkward. because they Why do they keep sending Tilly and Adira? Like, what do they w- want them to work on their bonding? Like, what is that about? Uh, yeah, are, are they there. clashing? Because I remember in, what was it, the first episode, they kept clashing a bit. Well, Tilly was... Being a little harsh. Yeah, and that's what Adira brought up. Okay. I I don't know. So this I is don't a, know. It's probably part of Colbert's uh, therapy session. Could be. Counseling. It's interesting. I thought they would send Gray. Because what, what does Gray do on Disco now? Does what, Gray have a position? And what does Book do? What, what does Book do? I mean... We, we, he doesn't do the empath thing when she needs him to. So, <laughs> you got two stowaways. Yeah. So, what's, what's, what's their function? Like, do, does, does Gray join Starfleet? Does, we know Book won't, but what are the futures of these, these characters? And that, that's, it makes me wonder if that's what the, the Starfleet Academy thing is for, not just. Do, does Tilly need to rediscover why she's in Starfleet? Why she's part of Starfleet? Find what made her love it in the first place and and want to travel up, uh, proceed up the rankings quickly. We we know that that was a big focus of the first season, her trying to make certain uh, minimum requirements, whether it be physical fitness or whatever, because she really wanted to make her way through. Starfleet. So, and she's a lieutenant now, but I don't know. There's a lot more with the job. Yep. Yep. And well, uh, we more money, more problems, money. but we ain't got no money. I got no money. Is that the, that oh, whoa. The people, the race of aliens with latinum in their blood. Uh, yeah. okay. Latinum in their blood, which was why they were being, there were grave robbers there in the first place. We need to go back to that. Really quickly, if you don't mind. Go ahead. One, that they're telepathic. Um, one, and secondly, that they were able to put themselves in cryosleep. Speaks to their technology. Also, like, how did they develop? Like, were, and that, that they don't, yeah, how did they develop? Like, where did they come from? Where did they originate? Yeah, they kind of did just, like, awaken an entire species without knowing anything about them. Ramifications. It's like... Okay, we're gonna we're gonna wake these cicadas up <laughs> and just let them free, not knowing whether or not that's damaged. Yeah, that's what I was but, saying about uh, I was getting like, what was the name of that episode? It's the one with River Song from Doctor Who, where they go to the ship and it's full of the bodies of the the weeping angels, and they they wake them up essentially. <laughs> And I was like, oh, gosh, what's going to happen here? And their bodies were filled throughout the entire ship as well. So it was uh, Doctor Who. But it uh, doesn't matter. We'll see. Well, I, I imagine it's not a one. They, they aren't a one-off thing. It seems kind of weird to introduce a species like that who had the wherewithal to freeze themselves, uh, find someone to wake them up and to protect them to wake them up. 
mm-hmm. you know, and put themselves where they already have the planet. Like they've already decided this is where we're settling. They had ships up in the air flying exactly. uh, when, when they left. And I was just like, okay, who are these people? But had a whole turbo lift. Like what? Yeah. Uh, uh, we'll see if that gets picked we'll back up because I don't know what's going on there. And it seems like that would be something that Starfleet would be interested in. Uh, or the Federation, like here's here's an entire race of people that they just woke up and they're right outside our doorstep. You know who definitely would be <laughs> President Rillac. Yeah. I need to know them. Who has dirt on everybody? Who knows everybody's family's name? What's everybody. going on? Uh, I need her backstory. I'm is sorry. she is she uh Tal Shiar is Romulan? What's the Obsidian Order? Is she Obsidian Order? Um, Does the Obsid- Obsidian Order still exist? Ooh. What do you guys think? Do you guys think uh, the Obsidian Order, which is the, the the CIA of the Cardassians, are they are they still around? Is she are the Cardassians? What's her Federation? father? She she mentioned her father before. I mean, are they? Yeah, yeah, that's the primary intelligence actually. All right, are they still are the Cardassians Federation members now? It's been a thousand years since they were their own. You know, at least since the the DS Nine era. Have they become Federation citizens? Clearly, her she's part Bajoran as well. So has the the relationship between the Cardassians and the Bajorans eased over the th- last thousand years? Are the Bajorans Federation citizens now? Like, what's what's going on there? Like, I, I please someone help us. <laughs> We're in the future. We want to know their history. Like, Strange New Worlds is pre all of this, so we won't ever get it there. We could probably get it in Picard, but it seems like we're time traveling in Picard in the, in the next season. So yeah. we're definitely going to need some answers. Yes. Give us answers. Ah, that's all we want. All right. Do we have any shout outs for today? We should shout out our listeners. Hello, listeners. Always. If you're sticking, if you're sticking with us. Uh, we're here doing what we always do. At the hole. That. All track. Talking about Michael's hair. We have to. We have to, you know, wanting to wanting to insert more blackness in this show that we all love. And we we thank you for sticking with us over a year now as we do this. It's it's pretty ridiculous to think about sometimes. Like, wow, we've been doing this for over a year now. And with more and more Star Trek being produced, hopefully we'll be here for many years to come. This I have one shout out. Raina also has a shout out. I have one shout out, and it's a special one. It's to the one and only Nichelle Nichols. Um, I think she was spotted at a convention ah. or a ceremony, and it may be her last. But I just want to thank her on a personal level for what she has done, not only in Star Trek, but outside in, in the in the world where in terms of representation and integrity and, and honesty she deserves to be honored and taken care of properly um i hope that she can live the rest of her days in peace and you know continue trekking she looks she looks good that concludes our episode star trek discovery season four episode three choose to live Join us next time as we discuss more of disco. Thank you, and just keep on trekking.